don't believe everything a politician says unless you want to believe everything a politician says. Next on Principles and Policies. Welcome to today's edition of Principles and Policies. I'm your host, Barry Sheets, the Executive Director of the Institute for Principal Policy. And along with me today is our co-host, the Chairman of the Institute, my fellow analyst and very good friend, Chuck Michaels. Hey, once again, it's great to be with you, you in your studio, me and mine. Yep. So, uh, what do you know, two weeks in a row. It's a miracle of modern science. It is, uh, and technology as well, so... That's right. It's a good thing because, you know, right now I've been kind of put on the sidelines for a while, Chuck. So having this option to continue to have our voices go out over the airwaves and not just have to run best of for the next two or three months is rather a beneficial thing. So I appreciate it. For those of you, we talked a little bit about this last week. Those of you who may not have heard, and that's probably most of you, I am facing a fairly serious health issue right now. I have been diagnosed with a recurrence of my cancer. I had kidney cancer or renal cancer and uh, was uh, dealt with with the removal of a kidney, which many of you know about. But it seems over the last close to three years, this form of cancer has a tendency to want to go and hide places, spread and become new forms of cancer. And well, I drew the golden ticket for the Willy Wonka tour on this. And I now have bone cancer in my hip and in my spine. So I would appreciate your prayers, folks, because it's going to be an, probably an arduous journey working to try to reverse this, get the cancer in remission, clean up whatever damage it has been or is being caused by it. And I covet your prayers because it's going to be a long haul. This is something that's been going on for a few months. Didn't even realize what it was until after I had some problems, couldn't you know, having trouble, thought it hurt my back hurt my leg, was working on that, doing chiropractic, which were, which was great. Just happened to go to my wife's chiropractor. And when I told her what was going on, she's like, well, it sounds to me like you got a tear in your hip socket, you know, in the labor. Well, you should get an MRI. So we went ahead and got the MRI. And well, the MRI came back and showed us things that we really weren't expecting to find, which was a large mass right on the pelvic girdle, right where the, the hip socket is. So that's what I'm working at right now. So it's made it very difficult to walk, very good, difficult to get around. And of course, I have to go back and forth now to doctor's appointments on a fairly regular basis. And so I just appreciate your prayers because it's not pleasant, but God is in it. And I fully trust in him and count on his mercy and his grace. And I also know that, you know, he does these things and we have illnesses and sicknesses for reasons, which include giving him glory and a sickness unto repentance too. And believe you me, I've been going through and thinking of all the things I should be repenting over and do trying to do so and clear clean the decks, as you might say. Not that I have any doubt about the, the state of my salvation, but just to honor God and to make sure like every day, like I think Chuck, I don't know who it was that said it, some theologian, but that every morning when you wake up, you've sinned against God in some way because we always break the commandments through omission or commission. So therefore, stay in a state of, of continual repentance before God. And that's, so that's, always, my, that's good that's advice my, to anybody. Yeah, well, it's, it is a good advice. When you're faced with your mortality, you tend to start focusing, majoring on the important things and not on the, the things that aren't important. Absolutely. And so I'm, spend, I'm spending less time running, up, running back and forth to Columbus to try to convince legislators to do things they don't want to do and more time with my family enjoying them. 
And that's also a good thing. I think so. The problem is that that doesn't bring a whole lot of revenue in. No, it doesn't. But we will we work through that, too, as, as it goes. So we try to look on the positive side. So we just are thankful for what God has blessed us with so far and just look forward to his provision more so as we go along. Absolutely. So hopefully we caught it early enough. You know, it's funny, you and I had discussed this, that you'd been going in for regular scans. Uh, Yeah, I I had, although I kind of fell off and just pretty much this last year or so. I mean, the COVID thing and everything else was just way too much. And so I kind of dropped sometime around late, late 20, early 21 and didn't go back. And But again, we were looking at the last scan. I was with the radiation oncologist the other day looking at the uh, comparison of the current CAT scan and the one they'd done before. And he was like, you know, unless you were really, really, really looking for it, you wouldn't have seen this at all. Yeah. Did, so, did they actually see anything on it? On the, on the original scan? No. Yeah. This popped up very fast. Yeah, it did. And it did. And it popped up fairly hard too because this is a large mass on my on my hip so we're actually tomorrow with this well we're recording on wednesday so that would be thursday you're hearing this on saturday but on thursday i am meeting with an orthopedic oncologist at osu james cancer center to see if there's any way of possibly through a hip replacement getting to or removing the majority of the mass that would be the best option right now and then Which, do clean up. You know, I'm, I'm about yeah. that age where hip replacement starts getting into the picture anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, I've been told I may need one at some point. I broke my hip in a car wreck. The part you talked about there, the acetabulum, the place yes. where the the ball and the the socket, my socket got broken from me kissing the steering wheel and hit my knees hitting the the dashboard at about 120. Somewhere between 120 and 130 miles an hour. Now, you aren't going that fast. That's the combined impact force of your speed and the person who hits you head on speed. I was going somewhere between 55 and 60, and the other guy driving a car about 500 pounds lighter than mine knocked me backwards about 50 feet on a head-on collision. So he was tooling. Uh, I I was. I was in a 1977 Monte Carlo, and those of us who are old enough to remember that car had a gigantic front end. We used to laugh about the, there's a tunnel between the uh, fan blades and the radiator that was about two feet wide. And the reason for that was, (laughs) otherwise, you wouldn't actually draw any air through the radiator with the fan blades, which is what the purpose is. Because the front end was so long. Well, guess what? God in his providence had had uh, made me actually kind of fall in love with this car. And a friend of mine was selling it to buy, who knows what, a sports car or something. And sure. he said, I'll give it to you. If, and the price was right. And I bought that car. And it accordioned like it should have when that impact happened. And it absorbed a whole bunch of that energy. Yep. Because I was not wearing a seatbelt. Ask me if I wear my seatbelt now. Uh, I'm sure that you are very conscientious about making sure you put that on. Yeah, you betcha, baby. Because I was in the hospital for about three weeks and then laid at home in a hospital bed for another six. And I really didn't walk for several months, probably two, three months. And then when I did walk, I had to walk with a walker 
and then with a cane for yeah. some time, a couple of years. And then yeah. I always knew when it was going to rain. <laughs> I always joke about that. Oh, I was a great predictor of uh, weather change because I always knew when it was going to rain or snow or some big change was happening because my hip would hurt. Well, mm-hmm. little by little, that stopped. But I've, I've had some issues with it. Nothing like your issues. I have a sympathy for your particular thing. But I remember how this started in you. We thought it wasn't more or less a an injury from moving some boxes around. And, yeah. and all that yeah, did was... Tubs around and... Yeah. Yeah. In God's providence, he he injured you. Your body was attempting to protect itself, knowing full well it wasn't well. And it attempted to protect itself by stretching muscles and, and connective tissue and, and joints and everything that. else. And that, some of those tore loose and created tremendous pain, but that also eventually got you to the right kind of doctor. Yeah, it got us on the road to being where we needed to be, and that's... Uh... That's God's providence. I mean, exactly. that's part of his grace, too. So sometimes, folks, we have to look at the fact that setbacks that we see as like tragedies or setbacks in our lives are actually God's providential grace to us, pointing us in the direction we need to go. So it's not been lost on me. I'll put it that way, Chuck. So Yeah. Nor on I, me. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. And, and it's interesting because, you know, when you talk with folks, some family members and others, they're kind of like, oh, well, you should have, could have. I'm like, I don't live in the should have, could have with us. Yeah, This is what God had for me, and we didn't know where we were going to with it, thought it was something else, and it just happened that by, you know, his grace, he put th- this person in front of me who said, you should go do this, and instead of saying, oh, I don't think I need to do that, I'm like, this thing's not getting any better, it's getting worse, I better go do that, and so that's when we found it, so. Yeah, and, and it's a good thing, too. Uh, hopefully the experts they're hooking you up with up at the James is, are, is going to be the guy who can uh, get the job done. Well, I, I know it will be good on the, I mean, hopefully, and I'll find out, like I said, I find out on Thursday whether or not the hip is operable. And if it is, and they think they can take that out of there and re- do the hip replacement like they do normally with the hip replacement, i.e. they have a point to anchor that the bone hasn't been deteriorated so much that they can't, then that's excellent. That'll be the first line of, of attack on this. Then I would be following up with the things, especially the spots in my back. Uh, I've got I've got uh, lesions on two different vertebrae, uh, one in my lumbar, one in my thoracic. So they're they're showing up and uh, they're they've you know cultivated. So we're working on getting that taken care of, and. Um, That'll be through radiation, a combination of radiation and what they call immunotherapy. And for those of you who don't know what immunotherapy is, it is a kind of a newer um, type of treatment where they actually encourage your body to kick it into overdrive on uh, your immune system response. Um, You have to be careful with it because you can overkick it. And then your immune system, you get autoimmune disorders because your immune system attacks healthy parts of your body. Sure. But what they're looking at right now, it's a combination of a couple things that I would have to take once every three weeks for like four cycles. And they shoot it in there and it gets your immune system kicking. And then your immune system goes after um, like the T cells in the cancer and things of that nature, trying to kill it and, uh, you know, get it done. And so. So we'll see. So I'll know more tomorrow. And then also, Chuck, they're actually going to be doing a 
scan of my head to make sure there's nothing in there. And yeah, I, I know well, what I just said. Let, let's hope it's not one of those x-rays showed nothing thing. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, you know, that's okay. I'm okay if it's an x-ray showed that's nothing. Right. <laughs> that's that's the old joke about the baseball player who got beaned and yep. they took him into the hospital and took x-rays of his head and the x-ray showed nothing. X-ray showed nothing. That's right. So well, that's what I'm hoping for is x-ray show nothing there. So, so yeah, so folks, we appreciate your prayers. Uh, my family does, my wife and my kids. Um, we're just, we're all trusting God and just waiting on his promise. So bingo. Well, um, that being said, we have lots and lots and lots of, we, we've got so much stuff that we could pick about through to talk about that well, we sort of had to narrow the field a little bit just because of, you know, first of all, we've got the queen of England who, uh, uh, worked up until this is what amazes me. The woman was 96 years old. She worked up until essentially a few hours before her death. Yes. And it wasn't that it was labored. She said she worked and, and, and people who were with her over the weekend said, Oh gosh, we just had dinner with her and she was laughing and joking and, um, being, you know, the queen. And the next thing we hear is there, she's gravely ill and they're calling the family to be next to her bedside. Uh, you know what? That's the way I want to go. Um, I'd like to be older. Uh, I don't think that's possible. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, work and work and work. And then suddenly your illness is extremely brief and you're gone and your family mourns you, you know, it's a, yes. uh, it was a great way for the queen of England, uh, no matter what you think of the Royal family, right. Uh, to go, um, you know, and there are issues, there are, are extreme issues that touch Christians in this country that are going to take place, uh, with the accession of, uh, King Charles the third. Right, because I, I, Prince I, Charles is now acceded to the throne, and, and he's taken the moniker of Charles III. Now, people might think, well, of course he would, but that's kind of a weird thing with um, with the uh, English monarchy. Uh, the king or the queen, whoever ascends the throne next, can choose to pick a name from history. He could have been what uh, he's Charles III, but he could have been what George the Seventh or something like that. Uh, his actual full name. His four names, Charles, Philip, Arthur, George. He right. could easily have chosen to be King George the what? Uh, King George the seventh or eighth. I've, I've lost seventh. seventh. It would have been Charles the seventh. Uh, he could have chosen that. And um, uh, the king gets to choose his, his reigning name. Now, why he chose Charles, I don't know. The, the Charleses that came before him. Charles the first and Charles the second. Yeah, Charles the first uh, uh, was beheaded. Was beheaded uh, in, when the um, monarchy was put aside for the protectorate under Oliver Cromwell. And he was tried for treason in the sixteen forties. Um, yes, now, he was tried for treason. And he who, who treason against who the the uh, people of England, right? Who he who was treasonous against? Uh, he spit upon their rights, and and he did do that. He was a tyrant. A uh, little doubt about that. And there's a couple of great books out there. One, uh, uh, oh gosh, what's the name of that book, Barry, where, uh, uh, the men who prosecuted, uh, Charles the first, uh, the prosecution brief. Uh, yes. For, uh, the execution. Yeah. The prosecution, uh, prosecution brief for Charles the first, the men who prosecuted him. 
Now, Charles II was, uh, okay, uh, who was that? James II came in and then Charles, uh, no, Charles II was the Restoration King. After the English Republic, Cromwell and all that, uh, they decided they wanted to bring the monarch back. Well, they brought the monarch back, and Charles II was one of the worst profligates in history. Terrible king had, I think, no children of his own legitimately, but 12 children, at least, illegitimately. Um, And when he passed away, everybody said, okay, we dodged a bullet there, and then they brought James II in, who immediately tried to convert England back to a Roman Catholic monarchy and was... Uh, run off in the glorious revolution. Um, why was the Re- glorious revolution so glorious? No shot was fired. Uh, James II, uh, I think was the older brother of Charles II, uh, was run off um, in uh, essentially by the threat of an invasion by uh, William of Orange. Right. Um that's where you get William and Mary um, uh, after the glorious revolution. And it's also where the name of a American college, William and Mary college comes from. Bingo. So, so the history is rich, uh, except that the, uh, the two Charleses were uh, basically a tyrant and a profligate. So I'm not sure why he would choose to, except his given name was Charles. So um, probably that's just easier. (laughs) The guy's 73 years old. He's like, yeah, just call me King Charles III. Um, it's just easier than learning another reigning name. And let's he may end up being like Queen Victoria's son uh, was uh, uh, Edward the fifth, sixth, Ed, Edward the fifth. Uh, see, I, these run together because they're uh, the the. Uh, Georgian King, yeah, the Georgian Kings, uh, handed off, uh, Edward and, and, um, George back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. There's a, there's a William in there. Um, and that's, and of course, Queen Victoria, um, who couldn't have, (laughs) it would have been a little weird if she'd been, uh, King Edward or, or King George. Uh, but, uh, lots of Georges, lots of Edwards. Um, and so he broke precedent there and that's fine. And, uh, uh, but it's a, uh, we'll see what happens. Charles is a professed Buddhist. And if you don't know this folks, the King of England is quote unquote, part of his title is defender of the faith. And he is the, uh, the head. He's the of, titular head of the Anglican Church. The Church of England. Yeah, the Anglican Church uh, in the United States, uh, in a lot of places. Now, I was an Anglican for a time. I was a Reformed Anglican Orthodox, um, a very small denomination. But there are Anglicans around. They're sometimes called Episcopalians. I was baptized in Episcopalian. Um, that is uh, the American branch of the Church of England. Right. Uh, so there is no church of the United States. Um, that didn't work out. Um, but, uh, um, 
Charles is the head of that. Now, what does that mean? He gets to appoint the Archbishop of Canterbury and some of the archbishops. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean when a Buddhist is now appointing the leaders of a church? It will make for some interesting conversations between the king and the uh, and the church leaders. And also, folks, you may have seen mention out there of uh, Charles being the WEF, W-E-F, king. And if you don't know what that is, Charles is a devotee of the World Economic Forum. Yeah, the World Economic Forum is a group that is essentially, uh, they are the driving force behind the Great Reset. And you, it's hard to imagine that you could have missed that reference, the the Great Reset, but basically uh, a coll- uh, causing a collapse of all services and, and uh, food supplies, uh, energy supplies, um, medicine supplies, you name it, the collapse of that so the system can be rebuilt from scratch. It re- really is Marxist at its core. Um, and the World Economic Forum, uh, Charles is also a radical environmentalist. So it's going to be interesting, which ties in, of course, with the World Economic Forum and, and that kind of thing. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see. Now, of course, the King of England doesn't really wield any power except, uh, like we said, uh, the head over the the um, Church of England. And he does have some authority to, uh, he's involved in, in making sure uh, about prime ministers. Uh, they rarely involve themselves anymore. They used to be uh, keenly involved in uh, picking prime ministers and that kind of thing. It's a little less than it was, but there's no constitutional uh, prohibition from them stepping in and stepping up their political activity under the uh, Queen uh, uh, Elizabeth II and her predecessors. They basically chose after Victoria to kind of stay, actually even Victoria chose to stay out of direct involvement in parliamentary politics. Although I think you'll find that, uh, they've all expressed either, uh, disdain or, uh, approval of certain choices for prime minister. Right. So we could see Charles becoming, wouldn't surprise me if Charles became a little more, uh, actively politically engaged. Actively political in that. Yeah. But, uh, um, w- this will be a very, int- we, we, uh, one thing we can, uh, you know, there's the old curse, the old Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. Yes, indeed. Uh, we do live under that curse. We live in interesting times to say the least. Yeah, I would, I would definitely say so. Now coming back across the pond to the United States, um, some of the most interesting stuff that's happening right now, Chuck seems to be things that um, politicians are saying that they really don't mean, or, well, perhaps maybe they do mean them. You know, we talked last week about Joe Biden and his speeches that he's been giving um, recently where he's kind of gone off the hook and he's, um, well, becoming a little unhinged, it seems, uh, screaming and yelling about um, uh, Trump folks and MAGA movement and extremist Republicans and calling them dangerous to the democracy and a threat to the our republic and 
and, and things of that nature. And, and that kind of incendiary rhetoric is unbecoming of a person in his position as supposedly, quote unquote, the leader of the free world or as what we call the resident right now. Um, and it seems that he's not alone, Chuck. It, there's, a, there's a trend line that's starting to happen. As a matter of fact, during uh, our observance over the weekend and on Monday of the uh, anniversary of the uh, September 11th, 2001 uh, plane um, you know, hijackings and then crashing them into buildings, Pentagon, uh, the World Trade Center, et cetera. Hillary Clinton, former Democrat uh, candidate and former Secretary of State under Bill Clinton, or excuse me, under Barack Obama. Right. Yeah, she wasn't under Bill, she was under Barack. Um, basically com- equivocated that the folks who rallied at the Capitol on January the 6th um, were the same as Al-Qaeda terrorists. So you see the rhetoric, the level is starting to get ratcheted up just a little bit more and a little bit more. This is the Democrat playbook, Chuck. It's the Democrat playbook knowing that they cannot run on issues. They cannot run on the economy. They cannot run on the inflation rate. They certainly can't run on the reduction in gas prices, although they're trying desperately right now to hook themselves to that. But one thing that they can do is that they can create civil unrest. They can go out and paint anyone who doesn't vote for Democrats and progressive leftists as somehow being the existential threat to all that you hold dear. And so, therefore, something must be done. And that's kind of left out there in big air quotes. Now, the air quotes have been filled in, Chuck, uh, because what happened (laughs) just a couple of days ago, um, we have a race in Ohio going on. Yes, there is a reason to go to the polls in November in Ohio even if you don't like the governor's choices, even if you don't like some of the statewide choices, we do have a United States Senate race. And even if you don't like the Senate choices, we now have a really good reason to go and vote in that race, whether you vote for the Republican candidate or the Democrat candidate who I'm going to be talking about, or you vote for a write-in. I don't believe there's any independents or third-party candidates running in the in the U.S. Senate race, but there might be a write-in that I don't know about. But anyhow, So because we're now into general election season after the primaries have come and gone, the winners have been determined, the the ballots, uh, the the results have been certified. We now have a honest to goodness, knock down, drag out general election fight going on. And in Ohio, we have a United States Senate seat open with the retirement of Rob Portman. Praise God um, that he's retired because he was completely a rhino and one of the biggest leftists in in the United States Senate as a Republican. He was a rhino's rhino, and he ran yeah, as a he ran as a uh, uh, a right wing conservative. Yeah, well, yeah, he tra- he tried to make that case, but uh, he didn't have much evidence to sh- to show for it. So anyhow, he's leaving. So now we've got J.D. Vance, who's the Republican nominee who won the Republican primary, uh, the venture capitalist, backed by billionaire Peter Thiel. And you have U.S. Congressman from uh, Navarre area, which is up in Youngstown, Tim, or excuse me, he's in Niles, uh, Tim Ryan, uh, who's, Ryan's been in Congress, I think, for about 14 years, and his biggest claim to fame was he wrote a book on mindfulness. Um, And and I'll leave people to go Google up what mindfulness means, but it's basically kind of like existential Maharishi Yoga, 
I, I, he almost sounds Buddhist. I mean, you know, maybe he and King Charles III will get along really well if he if he becomes the next U.S. senator. But I don't believe most Buddhists have it as one of their reasons for being or their mindfulness the quote that Tim Ryan said in a comment here just recently. Okay, he was on MSNBC and being interviewed, and he was asked some questions about what he thought was important going on. And they asked him about, you know, we've got all this stuff going on and and there's like lots of stuff happening. Uh, elections are in question. The economy's bad. Gas prices are high. Inflation is up. Food prices are up. What are we going to do to fix? And we have a bro- what looks to be a broken, you know, political system or election system. What can we do to fix it? Well, here's the quotes. Tim Ryan said this directly. And again, I will play devil's advocate for a minute, Chuck, and give him uh, the benefit of the doubt of what he was trying to get across, okay? And here's the quote. Quote, how do we fix all these broken systems? Some of those answers will come from Republicans, not the extremists that we are dealing with every single day. We've got to kill and confront that movement, but working with normal mainstream Republicans, that's going to be really, really important. Close quote. According to Democrat, U.S. Congressman, Senate candidate, Tim Ryan. All right, Chuck, you know what? The soon as that left his mouth, J.D. Vance was probably doing backflips because he had just handed them. And I can just see it right now, Chuck. I can see the 30 second to a minute commercial on television that will be running the last week of the campaign. Now, right now in Ohio, A poll just came out showing that Vance and Tim Ryan are basically statistically tied for this race. Um, There is a significant amount of undecided voters in the poll, but they're basically tied neck and neck right now. Tim Ryan just basically turned around, handed a big stick to J.D. Vance and said, hit me here, pointing to the middle of his forehead. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. When, when he comes out now, this is Mr. Mindfulness, who's supposedly, you know, kind of Buddhist, uh, you know, which is peace and love and let everybody be saying specifically, we have to kill and confront that movement. Now, he's talking about he doesn't he doesn't want to see the Make America Great Again hats. He doesn't want to see the Trump 2024, you know, banners and yard signs and flags and, you know, truck uh, banners and things that are going around. He doesn't want to see any of that stuff happening. And he's basically saying anybody who supports conservative ideas or supports Trump-like policies, we have to kill and confront. Um, is he talking about killing a movement, i.e. we're going to arrest everybody so that the movement doesn't have any legs anymore? Is he talking about actually he believes in political violence, that he believes that we should be like maybe the Jacobins or maybe um, the uh, the Russian Revolution, uh, where the communists took over and killed their political opponents. Should we be like Stalin or like Lenin? You know, should we be like a Pol Pot where you round up those who don't agree with you politically and haul them off to concentration camps or kill them outright uh, or exile them? Like uh, we talked about Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Uh, his great work, The Gulag Archipelago, last week. I hope people pick that up and read it, um, because this is what it sounds like Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton and now Tim Ryan 
are all starting to beat the drum on, which is somehow anybody who has an idea that's not a progressive idea or won't capitulate to the leftist ideals like the mainstream Republicans he talks about, because those mainstream Republicans, the normal mainstream Republicans he's mentioning, is the guy he's running to replace, in his mind, Rob Portman, who basically sold out Republican ideals and voted with the left as many times as he could. That's his idea of a moderate, normal Republican. You you agree with us and give us your vote, whatever we come up with, no matter how crazy it is, even if it's the American Recovery Act, which is going to cost trillions of dollars and drive people into poverty. Yes, come on, vote vote for it with us. Vote for killing babies up till the end of birth. Because they're going to come with that next. You vote for that. If you don't vote for that, man, you're out of the mainstream. You're one of those extremists. You believe that you know unborn babies have a right to life. Ooh, we need to kill and confront. Well, of course they're going to use the term kill. That's all they know how to do with a problem. You know, uh, you ha- you get an unintended pregnancy. What's the leftist first response? Abort it. Kill it. You know, you you have a situation going on where the economy is bad. What's the next? Thing? Well, let's just kill the economy. Let's drive up the costs. Let's charge people more money. Let's raise taxes. That is the entire Democrat mentality. They, Tim Ryan is just saying what he really actually believes in his heart and that the Democrat Party as a whole is basing their entire reason for being around. They're not running on ideas. They're not running on policy positions. They're not running on platforms. They're obviously not running on accomplishments because look around us, ladies and gentlemen. There are very few, if any, accomplishments from the Democrat administration of Joe Biden. There is very little to any positive accomplishments of the leadership of Nancy Pelosi as the House Speaker or Chuck Schumer as the Senate Majority Leader. You just don't see any results coming out of Washington, D.C. that are positive. You are seeing a lot of laws come out. You're seeing a lot of mandates come out. You're seeing a lot of taxes being levied. You're seeing a lot of things being taken away from you, but you're not seeing any actual accomplishment. That's because this is what they run on. It's ideological purism writ large. If you don't agree with us right down the line now, and again, Chuck, you and I both know this happens internally inside the Democratic Party. If you get a Democrat who's pro-life, they're ostracized. If you get a Democrat who says like maybe like a Joe Manchin from West Virginia up until he caved, I don't think we ought to be raising taxes. They beat him up. You know, how dare you? This is you can't you cannot stop our agenda and our agenda has to be fed with more money from the taxpayers so that we can hand out freebies to people to get votes. That, that is where we are. And Tim Ryan, just in a moment of either lucidity or insanity on MSNBC in front of a camera, basically just let it come out of his mouth. Well, OK. Where did he do it? Do you, do you know where he, he made this statement? Well, he was on MSNBC on a, on a Sunday morning talk show. He was on Morning Joe. Who's Morning Joe? Oh, Joe's a former congressman. Yeah, that's Is right. It? Yeah. That's yeah. right. Joe. Um, uh, a former Republican congressman, by the way. Rhino. Uh, who is rhino leftist as Rob Portman, or if not worse. Oh, absolutely. Who basically got run out of office. Um, uh, Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough. He got run out of office down in Florida. Yep. Um, 
because there was some scandal that may not have been, uh, he may not have been directly involved in a, a girl that worked for him. A, one of his office interns was found dead in the office. Um, and he couldn't quite, I mean, he basically said, I didn't know the girl. I didn't know, you know, I saw her around the office, didn't know her and had nothing that, you know, there were people that tried to claim and they were having an affair and all that. I don't know if that's true or not. Probably not. Uh, nonetheless, uh, but Joe ended up out of office, but he has been railing against conservatives since he left office. And look, he's hooked up. I don't know if he's married to her yet or not. They, they had talked about getting married. Uh, Mika Brzezinski. Right. Well, I Mika mean, Brzezinski they are. Yeah, the, is the daughter of former um, quote-unquote national security advisors, Vigniev Brzezinski, who was a screaming leftist. I mean, about as, uh, you know, uh, if the world were flat, which it's not, he could have easily been knocked off by a cat. He was uh, teetering over the edge of the left side of the, of the world. Uh, if the world was flat, which it's not, um, this guy and, and Mika's no better. Uh, the only difference is that she is more attractive than her father. Uh, that's about it. Uh, but Joe has been sitting down there sniping. Oh my gosh. He sniped at, uh, at DeSantis. He sniped at, uh, um, uh, who's the Senator down there. Marco Rubio. Yeah, Marco Rubio. He he snipes and snipes and snipes. Um and uh, uh Joe was one of those guys. Now now I think Ryan has come out and tried to uh soften the blow of that and said, Well, actually, I didn't mean I didn't actually no, he's not. As of today, he's gone completely silent on it because he's being asked to clarify his statement and he is just running away from it. Well, there's no way to, there's no way to not make it worse. Yep. That's what's going on. As the, as the news article I'm reading says, Ryan has been, since the remark, Ryan has been silent, refusing to answer questions from Breitbart News, which is where I'm reading this from. He also has not posted a statement retracting the kill and confront comment. Elected Democrats alike have not called on Ryan to apologize for the remark. That's the most telling thing right there. You would think if the Democrat Party was like, oh man, he just really... He shouldn't have said that. You know, that was his macaca moment. If somebody wants to remember that from politics, that was his macaca moment when he, where he said something that right, he really needs to walk back. No Democrat official, elected official, or anybody else in the Democratic Party is saying it because they believe what he said was exactly what he should have said. They believe they believe what he said, and they believe that he said it, and that's where they are. So therefore, all he was doing was just giving you a cold hard fact. Yeah, and the, I think it's people who are defending him are saying, well, he didn't really mean uh, uh, this is what Biden tried, although Biden has now since backed off his back off. Uh, he didn't really mean, he only meant the ultra-extreme, uh, true MAGA people. He didn't really mean Republicans. Well, what he means is Republicans who won't won't reach across the aisle. The, right. uh, the Joe Scarborough types. What reach across the aisle means is that the Democrats come to them and say, you need to vote for this. And they do. Why? To quote unquote, maintain unity. How many times have we, have we talked about this? This is the way Republicans cave. Uh, they, they quote unquote, I want to reach across the aisle. I want, I want to work with my colleagues in the Senate. 
uh, there's a lot of collegiality in the Senate, and I get that. Uh, it is a rare uh, kind of an elite group, but the fact is uh, that there are is more at stake than how the your, the Democratic members think about you or the press thinks about you or what parties you get invited to in Washington, D.C. or in New York or in Los Angeles. There's more to it than that. There is there is a fundamental uh, yeah. change that's happening in the country, and right. these guys are selling us down the river. Uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, you know, uh, people were willing to give him a pass in 20 because he had done uh, these guys all always know where their bread is buttered. Mitch McConnell spends about six months to a year before his reelection suddenly becoming uh, awakened to the desires of his conservative constituency. Yeah, imagine that. And Amazing. Rob Portman used to do exactly. He got tired of doing it. He just goes, well, no, I want to. I want to go be a liberal lobbyist. Well, so just remember, went. anytime it got close to re-election for Rob Portman, all of a sudden he found himself co-sponsoring pro-life bills. Yeah, that's right. But the yep. other five years, you couldn't get his name on a pro-life bill if you tried. Pro-life bills that really didn't do anything. Well, of course. Which that's going to bring me to the next thing we need to talk about, which is the new effort in the Senate by Lindsey Graham to push for uh, abortion ban for pain capable. Now, Chuck, we can finish this up with Tim Ryan, but I want to talk about this because I'm actually personally offended by the lily-livered, spineless, uh, absolute lack of any kind of intestinal fortitude among most of our elected politicians right now. Uh, you know, we're in an environment now where the Supreme Court has for legitimately for the first time in 48 years made the right decision. They repealed, reversed the Roe v. Wade rubric and found that, no, there is not a constitutional legal right to murder someone, regardless of their, their point in, in their development in life from fertilization all the way up to natural death. You, nobody has a right to murder another human being. That's right. And at this point, this would be the time that these politicians who have spent all of their terms in office, all of their reelection runs and spent all their money on television ads and mailers and everything else talking about how 100% pro-life they are to actually introduce a 100% pro-life bill and get it passed. But that's not what we're seeing. What we're seeing are these politicians who are like, oh, well, you know, okay, the courts approved it at least at 15 weeks. Oh, we're going to go back to pain capable, which is like 20 weeks. Because, uh, oh, well, we think we might be able to get through without too much, uh, you know, residual damage to us, i.e. the media won't beat us up so bad if we actually do less than what the court is saying that can be done. Now, Chuck, you and I both know that is a political calculation by uh, basically feckless, unprincipled politicians just looking to score points without having to ever actually get in there and do something that changes the the direction, momentum, or rules of the game that they're playing. Uh, they're happy with how things go as long as they can come back to you and convince you that they're actually trying to do something for you, which let's not kid ourselves. The last time any politician actually did something for you 
he was in office the la- before the current resident, and he had four years, and he was doing everything he said he would do. Uh, and, yeah. and, and people couldn't stand it because they didn't like his mean tweets. Um, I got news for you, folks. What Joe Biden and Tim Ryan and Hillary Clinton are saying right now about you, I, if they tweeted it, it would be meaner than anything Donald Trump ever tweeted or said by geometric proportions. Yeah. These, these folks want their political enemies dead. They are okay with violence from Antifa and Black Lives Matter and Jane's Revenge and all the other splinter cells of psychotics who are cropping up all over this country because they're being inflamed and encouraged by leftist Democrat progressive politicians like Tim Ryan, like Joe Biden, like Hillary Clinton, who are absolutely should be jailed for hate speech. I've never been a big fan of of hate crimes legislation, Chuck. You know me. But let's if we're going to play the game, then this is this is akin to the worst hate speech that they've ever blamed anybody else for having. Well, basically saying you should target groups of individuals based on their philosophical beliefs and it's okay to be violent to them or kill them. You are engaging in hate speech. And if if in any jurisdiction that has hate speech laws on the books, I would love to see a prosecutor somewhere in that state bring these guys up on charges yeah and there look the 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 reason that graham brought out this think about it the uh uh this this calculated move pain capable banning pain capable abortion well, first of all, when do we know for sure that that a uh, an infant in the womb is capable of feeling pain? We don't know for we sure. Don't. We don't. And second of all, um, here's the the only the most radical of the let's kill babies crowd really wants to kill babies who can feel pain. That's true. So it's an easy. It's an easy thing, and Lindsey Graham is fully aware that his uh, he's cu- currently under attack by the uh, um, by conservatives in the party uh, for good reason because Lindsey Graham does what Lindsey Graham does, and that is he he does what we just mentioned about Rob Portman and Mitch McConnell and you name it. Uh, now he just got reelected in twenty, but. He's he is uh, cognizant that his brand is damaged, and he wants to undamage his brand. Sure, even though he doesn't have to run again for another four years. Um, nonetheless, his brand is damaged. He knows he could face a strong challenge because MAGA Republicans are coming out even without Trump endorsements like happened in Maine are coming out without an endorsement and beating incumbents. I believe the Maine state Senate president just lost his, his elected position to a, uh, a retired military guy who, uh, uh, is MAGA, but did not receive a, an endorsement from Trump 
probably didn't seek it. Uh, which also in itself in a, in a state like Maine is not a bad strategy because Maine, Maine is a, is a purple state. Um, and, uh, uh, Barry, it's, uh, again, we have to be cognizant. These guys who were talking about reaching across the aisle and working with the other side, that means you want to move the political, uh, spectrum to the left. To the, oh, they view the political spectrum as a relative thing rather than an absolute thing. You and I would tend to say, no, there are certain things, be, uh, a certain markers which set up what's a conservative and what's a liberal. And if you're to the left of that, you're a liberal. Liberals tend to look at one on a sliding scale. Oh, so-and-so is a conservative, like Lindsey Graham, uh, like Mitch McConnell. Like, uh, oh gosh, what uh, Rob Portman? Well, surprise, surprise. Yeah, and the same thing goes on in Congress. Oh, so and so's a conservative Republican. Uh, Liz Cheney was was called a conservative Republican. The left always called referred to as. See, I could get behind someone like who was a conservative Republican, like like Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney was a conservative Republican, but only in title. She wasn't actually one. She spit upon people who were actual conservatives. Now, is she gearing up for a run for president? Yeah, probably. What's going to happen to that candidacy? Uh, remember the the uh, um, the 2016 elections where guys like John Kasich, John Kasich got shown that I don't think he ever pulled more than 3% in a primary except in Ohio. And I don't think he pulled a majority of votes in the Ohio primary. Why? Yeah, either. Uh, why? Because he's not really a conservative. He no. won because the party picked him and Republicans and conservative Republicans had no other choice. He had played the game. He worked for Fox News. But all you had to do is watch his show and see that he wasn't he wasn't really a conservative. And that's the bad part, Barry. These guys want to stamp out the 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 rebel movement they want to excise uh, pardon me for putting it this way they want to excise the cancer of republican um rebels and may force everybody back into the into the uniparty umbrella the republican big tent uh uh you know a big conservatism which isn't conservatism at all uh big corporate conservatism where uh supposedly it's pro business except it's really just pro big business why because they supply the uh, i mean look at jd vance uh yeah uh trump did us a disservice and uh endorsed him uh now we kind of have no choice i mean i would take jd vance over uh tim ryan in a heartbeat because tim ryan is one of those guys who again, is far to the left, but what he does um, is he is able to, he's a master of rhetoric who makes himself seem like a moderate. He looks like a moderate until you look at his voting record. Then suddenly, he's ultra left. That's true. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've got a website up here that's talked about some of the stuff that he voted for. American Rescue Plan of 2021, which is which spent 
gaboons of money and, and really helped to uh, push along the inflationary cycle uh, for the People Act of 2021. Uh, National Defense Authorization Act, uh, again, it basically using the military to help police civilian uh, stuff, which is an absolute violation of the Posse Comitatus Act, uh, American Dream and Promise Act, Equality Act, Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, all had great names. They didn't do any of the stuff they said they were going to do. Safe Banking Act, Build, Build Back Better Act, Women's Health Protection Act, COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act, which went, by the way, the wrong direction. Uh, the hate crimes were perpetrated against those of us who were skeptical uh, about uh, um, the the techniques that were being used to silence people who were critical of government action on that. And who, by the way, we're being vindicated because more and more and more people are admitting yes. Well, the government came out and said, now ivermectin, which was banned and it was quackery. And if you recall, horse, uh, horse paste and all that stuff. Oh yeah. Suddenly it's a, uh, oh yeah, I guess you can use that against, uh, and it is an effective treatment against, um, COVID. Remember that? Remember all that? We, we weren't, if we went on YouTube and put a video up that talked about it being effective for that, you could lose your account and you could definitely lose your funding. You, you could definitely not be, uh, uh yeah, you'd, be de- you'd be demonetized. That's right. Be de- uh, there are people who left or, de- or yeah. deplatformed. Yeah. Deplatformed. That's essentially we're just completely kicked off the platform and aren't allowed back yet. Uh, you know, congr- uh, concurrent cr- congressional budget resolutions that, that went to the far left that Republicans caved on, by the way. Most yes, of the, the Republicans who just wanted to get along and, and didn't want to look mean-spirited and didn't want to do this that, and that. Those would be those normal mainstream Republicans Bingo. that Bryant won't, won't kill right now. The mainstream Republicans that, that Democrats love. Why? Because they cave. Uh, we we had talked about this some last week when we talked about ranked choice voting. Oh yes, indeed. Well, you know, there's more on ranked choice voting. You bet there uh, is. Because well, there was just some news. Because the biggest place where ranked choice voting is happening that it, it, it that matters is not in Vermont or New Hampshire, where it's mainly liberals. It's up in Alaska, where it's kind of an interesting mix. Um, right now, Lisa Murkowski, who's the uh, so the long, longer-serving senator up there who is as left as Joe Biden and votes with him on everything, including gun control. And I believe she voted for the bailout, um, the American Recovery Act, if you want to call it that, the, tr- the $3 trillion boondoggle. Um, well, she's now in a real tough fight because ranked choice voting, they moved on to the general election side of it. And uh, although she edged slightly... Kelly Shabaka, who is the uh, her main opponent, who's endorsed by Trump, uh, she's got some problems now because just this week, on I think on Monday, Chuck, and I think I sent this over to you, um, it was announced that one of the Republican candidates in the race, who again with ranked choice voting, you can have more than two candidates going into November. It's little little scary, little frightening. Um, you know, it's not just a head to head now. Ranked choice, you can have three, four, five, six candidates in the general election, and it just depends on how you rank them as to your preferences. And then they aggregate all those and give you an average and tell you, well, who who actually won the 
best number of votes. Well, I guess you can't even call it the best number of votes. You don't. I mean, somebody else is assigning points. Got it's it's basically weighted. it's yeah. basically your vote doesn't count. Only the counter's vote counts. Yes, exactly. That, it's it's that's given, exactly how to look at it. Your vote doesn't count. Just the counter's vote counts. It's a weighted vote. Yeah, and it's weighted by other people, not by you. Really. And it it is a complex formula. And the fact is, anytime a complex formula is uh, uh, added in to to count votes on a uh, um, on a what amounts to an up down. Yes, it's a it's a it's a vote stealing scheme. It is. It's a, and and you explained some of that last week on how that works with you know if you're a Democrat, this is how you'd rank your choices with the, exactly. with the, three, the three you have, a conservative Republican, a rhino Republican, and a Democrat. As you're a Democrat, you'd rank it one way. If you're a conservative, you'd rank it almost exactly the opposite way. But if you're a rhino Republican, one of these normal mainstream Republicans that Tim Ryan likes to talk about, who won't get killed right now, you would basically vote for your liberal Republican first, then the Democrat, and then the conservative Republican would be your last choice. Because you're not tied down by all those party uh, obligations. You are a free thinker and you'll vote. Well, whoever's as most left as they can get. Um, but Lisa Murkowski had a problem this week because Kelly Shabaka just received the endorsement of the, one of the other Republicans who was still in the race, uh, a gentleman by the name of Buzz Kelly, who was, who, who had made it to the general in the ranked choice voting. He suspended his campaign and, and publicly endorsed Shabaka and asked his supporters to pick her first uh, and to vote for her. But she didn't just get that because there was a U.S. Senate Democrat candidate, Edgar Blatchford, who also endorsed Shabaka because he gets it. He understands yep. Yep. what's going on. And he's sitting there and basically says this endorsement could mitigate some of the Democrat support Murkowski needs to defeat the challenger. Okay, folks, that that little one sentence nugget is packed with purpose. Yes. The reason why ranked choice voting exists and they're trying to talk you into it wherever you are in your state, in Ohio and any place else, it's coming is so that the liberals, the Democrats, and their al and their fellow traveler allies in the Rhino Republican movement, they don't care. They'll switch back and forth. They don't care. They don't care. As long as a conservative cannot win a seat. Bingo. If you actually have someone who has principles, who gets into the political game, all of a sudden the gaming looks uh, ugly. It looks, yeah, you know, absolutely foul. It looks like what it's what it really is. They put a veneer on it if they all play the game together behind the scenes, and they can put a veneer on it and make it look lovely. And, well, this is how things get done in Washington, D.C., and we're working for you, and, well, we can only do so much. Yeah. But when you get conservatives in there who are like, we're not playing this game, here's the Constitution, here are the laws, this is what we're going to push, all of a sudden you can't hold that facade anymore, and people see the ugly truth of, yep. well, you, you liberal Democrat and you rhino Republican – are all the same creatures. Yep. You hey, all listen, I have thing, to you all do the same things. I have to break in because we're out of time. But remember, no <laughs> sliding, no sliding scales. Right. No sliding conservative, scales. Uh, uh, liberals a liberal. Um, just the, rates and just measures. The that, Bible says that. 
Very serious about that. Bingo. Uh, please be in prayer for Barry. Uh, you. you. You know what we think. We want to know what you think. www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And please join us again next week for another Principles and Policies.